So, freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Ben Carman, Ben the Carman, uh, from Short Bits to talk about discrete log contracts and how they can be applied and how they're very underappreciated. Underappreciated is the cor- correct word to describe them at the moment. Um, they're hard to be appreciated because there hasn't been many implementations of them, but some are coming to market very soon particularly from short bits. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Excuse my son in the background. Uh, Cash App. You help me stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats because sats is the standard. We're no longer stacking fractions of a Bitcoin. We're stacking sats, whole sats. You can set sats as the standard. Son, please. I'm recording an ad right now. Uh, you can DCA in the sats. You can set it and forget it. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Set it and forget it. Dollar cost average. On top of that, you can stack slivers of stocks as well. Uh, you're not only stacking whole whole sats. If you're into the stock market, uh, if you're buying that dip in the last couple of days, you can stack a sliver of a stock. You don't have to buy a whole stock. If your favorite stock's a little too expensive, you can buy as little as $1. Okay, we're stacking sats and slivers of stocks. Because this is all connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking today. Uh, Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You can get your paychecks direct deposit in the app. You can ditch the old banks. Join the new bank in the Cash App. Uh, I should note that Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square, member SIPC. And as always, as always, when you download the Cash App, if you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? Easiest place to stack sats in the United States. When you do, use the code stacking sats. It's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Download the Cash App and enjoy this episode with Ben, the car man. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Ben here on a hot Friday afternoon. Humidity is, is very high where I am, Ben. Uh, I'm jealous that you're indoors in the air condition. I assume. I don't know if you have your air conditioner on. Uh, freaks, I'd like, to, I do. I'd like to introduce you to Ben the Carman, uh, developer at Shortbits. What's going on, dude? How's it going, guy? I'm going good. How are you? Doing well, man. Did we first meet last year at BitBlock Boom? BitBlock Boom 2019? That's when I first like met you in person, yeah, at uh, the S and I dinner. Yeah. And what were you doing back? Then? Was, you weren't at Short Bits yet, then, right? No, at that time, um, I was still in college and uh, just working on wasabi in my free time, and then, uh, yeah, then I went back to college. You're not in college anymore, right? No, no, I graduated back in December. Yeah, where'd you go? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I went to Iowa State. 
uh, did a BS in computer science. ISU, baby. Yeah, go Cyclones. Yeah. Even though we suck at every sport. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh, rivalries, though, Iowa versus Iowa State. Oh, yeah, those are always fun. You get way too drunk, and then uh, Iowa State would always lose, so that kind of sucked, but, nah, whatever. He got drunk. Yeah. How'd you find your way to Bitcoin? So, um, like a lot of people, 2017 bull market's going crazy. And um, I was listening to like a comedy podcast and they're all like, know nothing about it, but they, uh, they like brought it up because, you know, it's popping off. And I was like, I should look into this thing. Um, and I bought like $50 worth and I was like, okay, I'm set for life if this thing takes off. And that next morning, I'm like, I did the calculation, like, well, is that actually true? And I was like, turns out it's not, $50 would not set you up to be a multimillionaire at this point in time. So um, then I started, like, really looking into it, though, and watched way too many Andreas videos in my free time. And uh, that took me down the rabbit hole for a long while. And then, um, yeah, then finding, like, this podcast and, like, Pierre's and uh, Stefan Levere, like, basically all those major ones that, like, even further took me down the rabbit hole of just like uh, finding like why Bitcoin is important and like just learning about it really fascinated me like both from the tech side and the like economic side because before Bitcoin like you know I was like just your average Bernie bro that's just you know tax rich and will fix all our problems but after you know after doing some reading and critical thinking realized you can't just solve stuff by taking money from other people so um, it really helped me out. That's interesting. I never knew you were a Bernie bro. What uh, what do you think was critical to uh, flipping that particular switch in your mind? Um, Safedine's book really like that book blew my mind. Uh, the Bitcoin Standard. I'm mean, like, before, like I like before and like I understood both sides. Where I was like, you know, like one side's like, you know, we should let people make decisions for themselves and uh, you know, let's let let the market do what it wants to do. But you know, I thought like. You know, sure, you can do that, but we should go for the best outcome by, you know, what I thought would be, you know, taxing the rich and, you know, giving other people, like, free college to do that or whatever. But after, like, never even looking into, like, you know, can that actually work? After, you know, reading, like, like Safedean's book or just, like, listening to, like, countless podcasts, you kind of realize, like, okay, no, like, you can say you can do that, but that's not how it actually works out in real life. And, you know, you just get, like, a couple of real good examples and show like this doesn't how it actually works out and you're never going to essentially plan something into like what you want yeah, you can't micromanage complex systems i think that's yeah exactly that's how it would distill austrian theory in in one short sentence yeah definitely um something that actually uniquely helped me come to that situation was like back then i was like a huge gamer and like followed uh I played League of Legends a whole bunch, and I would, like, follow the balance of that game, and, like, it's just, like, that game where the developers have full control over that system, and they could never control it. It's like, how do you, if they can't do that, how do you expect someone to control something where they have no full control? And that really, like, like, that was something I kind of realized where, like, people get so mad, like, no one can fix this game, and then, while well, they have full control, and, and in the real world, these people have basically they have like some knobs to turn but not every knob to turn and they still can't control it so how do we expect them to do it if i don't know if that makes sense oh yeah 
It does make sense. Actually, I tweeted out this morning uh, a fresh article from the Mises Institute re- refuting that uh, that book. Uh, what was it? Looting. The, the moral case for looting. The, the author of that book is legitimately stupid. Like they they quoted her in like the New York Times, like NPR is giving her air as well, and she doesn't really understand how things work out or uh, the repercussions of what she's advocating, which is the ability to loot stores in low-income neighborhoods because those people deserve that. They should not have to work. Um, yeah, I don't. Like, if you take that to its logical conclusion, like, sure, if you say, like, for the next week you get the loot and you get to solve economic inequality, but, like, you can't just stop doing that. Like, that'll just be permanent part of our society now if looting's okay and we'll just have chaos for the rest of the time. Like, you can't build a sound society on, like, terrible pretenses. Yeah, I mean, looting by definition disrespects private property rights and... If you want a civilized society, private property rights are a pretty important cornerstone and protecting those rights, more importantly, uh, of a civilized cooperative society. Things are getting weird, Ben. They're getting weird. 2020, man. Still waiting on aliens. They're here. They're here. They just tried to throw that one in and think it would distract us. Do you actually think they are here? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Are you uh, an alien believer? Or are you one of those people that we're too far away? It's impossible. They're yeah, I, I mean, they're definitely out there. I don't think they've been here. It's just like the amount of time it takes to get here. But I don't think we're too special. I think you know, we're where's the blue dot going around? No one, no one really cares about us. A pale blue dot, a speck of dust, and a ray of light. Exactly. One of the. Uh, it's Carl Sagan, right? Yeah, one of the best just oral monologues I've I've ever heard. Uh, give peace a chance, freaks, for on a pale blue dot flying through space. Uh, but let's get to a topic uh, of this episode and why we're here talking, which is discrete log contracts. Uh, you've been working on... Uh, basically creating educational material and building out a functional implementation of discrete long con- contracts at Shortbits, the company that you joined when you join earlier this year, last year, uh, November last November year, last year. What, uh, what brought you to Shortbits particularly? And then why are you guys focused on DLCs? Yeah. Um, I actually first met Chris at the Chicago Bitcoin meetup, uh, Chris being the Chris Stewart, the boss of Shortbits, but, um, and then, I was like in college just applying for jobs and then Justin Moon actually he made like he did like a Twitter thread of like these are all Bitcoin companies looking for people so I applied and I already knew Chris so it kind of got me one foot in the door and, and then you know started working here and uh, I've been really enjoying it what we primarily do is uh, at least what I primarily do is work on the Bitcoin S library which is like a Scala implementation of uh, Bitcoin so we have like it's a wallet node all the core functionality that you need for that and um so yeah and then uh like that was like like right when i joined is like when we started uh getting serious about starting to work on dlcs like all the groundwork for the library has been laid out for that and then um 
maybe it was in like March or April, we got our like first kind of working implementation of it. And yeah. Yeah, I remember writing about that. You ran that demo, right? Was that in Dov? Uh, well, we've both done demos. I think the first one might have been his, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you freaks haven't done so already, make sure you go back and listen to the episode with Chris Stewart and in the Dovco and from Shortbits Ben's uh, co-workers. We dove pretty pretty heavily into discrete log contracts, so I think this conversation to be productive is just to sort of build on that and see what you guys have been up to recently in the state of this interesting technology that could arguably bring scalable smart contracts to bitcoin is that a correct assumption or description yeah yeah so um to slow it down a little like what a dlc is is in like a bitcoin oracle contract it's basically you're making a transaction contingent on an oracle signature and this oracle signature can be like committing to anything so um, the example i like to use is like it's a presidential election since it's timely um so like say if you want to like me and Barney want to bet on who's going to win the election, we would just make uh, transactions with each other that are invalid. We have invalid signatures on these, but once the Oracle signs, like say, you know, Oracle signs Trump won the election, then whoever bet on the Trump case would add that signature to their own transaction and use that to make a uh, valid transaction to like take the funds and win. And um, with that like property, since the, the Oracle's not actually signing the transaction, they're signing just like a message saying like, this event happened, it makes it a lot more private. So now like the Oracle doesn't see our exact transaction and what's actually happening. So that reduces like liability for them as well as like greater privacy for us, as well as um, and it's just more scalable then since we're not have to putting like their signature actually on the chain or at our contract at all on the chain. It's just, you know, it's just like a multi-sig transaction that like, you know, it could be a lightning channel or coin swap or what have you. Yeah, it's... So, you guys have a working implementation. Like, how how far away are we from from this this stuff getting some material use? Um, probably within the next month, for sure, we will have something, to, like, for people to use, like, uh, for real. Um, I can't talk about it too much right now, but uh, spill the beans, it's Ben. <laughs> it's in the works. Spill that, the beans. Uh, we're gonna have something where everyone can bet on this election if they want, um, and we have like an anonymous oracle that's gonna do it, and it'll be pretty cool. Hopefully, two working clients with it as well. So, um, will it be like a desktop app that you just download or create transactions yeah. with? Yeah, yeah, most likely it'll just be like a desktop wall you download and you'll have to like negotiate the DLC with whoever wants to take the other side of the bet. But um, yeah, it should be out soonish. We we tried to get it out this week, but um, we found some bugs and compatibility issues with other clients, but work in progress. So would you argue that this would be a better technology for uh, American HODL and Peter McCormick to use for their election bet? And if so, yes, if, yeah. if so, why is it better than this uh, two or three multi-sig with an escrow agent? Yeah, so um, what they're doing is like, it's uh, American Hotel, Peter McCormick, and Phil Geiger. They all have a key and a two of three multi-sig. And uh, they trust Phil Geiger, that's fine. But um, like what could happen with theirs is like, you know, like American Hotel and Phil could be like, drunk at bitblockboom be like yo let's just take the money from peter ha 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 
and uh, they could just spend it without any recourse. And um, you know, you, you obviously don't want that. And and Phil also knows the exact transaction and address that these funds are locked up in, and he can, uh, you know, he'll know if that his signature is needed or not. Versus with the DLC, you, they would instead of the American Hoddle and Peter McCormack with just a two of two multi-sig, and Phil would just be signing the outcome. So he just sign, you know, like Biden wins this election, and he give them that signature. But um, like Peter and uh, American Hoddle, they could just close the thing if they don't want to use the Oracle. They, you know, they agree like we're going to be good guys and just sign it out. Or you know, if like American Hoddle, you know, he disappears for the day then Peter McCormick can grab the signature from Phil and just use that to make his transaction valid. So he's like protecting himself from each other since now no one can take the funds and uh, without a valid signature or um, eventually it'll time out and they'll use their refund, but um, generally shouldn't need that. And uh, you're protecting yourself because you know it's a lot more private. They won't know exactly when it happens and which transaction is happening with it. Yeah, so let's hone in on the, the the Oracle aspect of this. The Oracle just knows that they have to sign a message with a certain event. They don't necessarily know the address that the they don't even know how many funds are involved or the addresses that are involved. They just know yeah. the fact that they need to sign something. Yeah, and like with that too, like say, like say, like they um, American Hoddle and uh, Peter McCormick, they're doing their bet and like. Me and you get inspired. We want to do a bet, but we also want to use Phil Geiger. Now he's going to have to sign for, uh, if we're doing like the two of three multi-sig, he'll have to sign our transaction plus American HODLs. But um, if he's just doing like a DLC, he'll just only have to sign the one message saying, you know, this event happened, like this person won the election. Now that signature is usable for every single DLC that's contingent on uh, what he's committing to. So that makes it a lot more scalable as well since you know, oracles can just... Uh, do one event and then just forget about it. As well as um, you can also combine oracles. So, say we don't want to just trust Phil Geiger, we want to trust like all the Unchained Capital guys. So I'll say, so um, say like Parker Lewis also is gonna sign which uh, which who wins the election. So then we could do like we add those two together, and then if um, if we get if they both sign, this person wins, then our transaction will become valid. So you can like mitigate or like distribute trust that way. Yeah. Well, so in that scenario, it would have had to be like an like an if function if Parker and Phil provide the same answer, then sign. Um. Well, you would like. So what we're like what happens if they give different answers? That's the question I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. So it, it depends how you set up your contract. So I mean, a two two oracles is probably not the best way to do it. You want to do like a like three probably so you do like a two of three or like three of five but um but it's what we're using to do this is adapter signatures we're not actually putting it in the bitcoin script so um you, you would just like do this off chain where you just like as part of your signature you would like subtract the signature points you expect from them to actually um get this so once you get the signature from them you calculate the signature point and add that back to your signature to create a valid so um so like I say, if we wanted to do like a three of five, um, we would get, so we'd construct like five choose three uh, transaction or uh, signatures for these. And so then like we have one that's made valid by like th like A, B and C signatures. We have another signature and that's made valid by like B, C and D signatures. 
and uh, you just have to like work that off off chain, which will give you like more things to store, but uh, you still only broadcasting like us to a multi-stake transaction onto the chain once it's actually happened. Yeah, let's get into Oracle incentives a little bit too. You, you guys have found a way to incentivize Oracles to be as truthful as possible because they could potentially make more money via tips and stuff like that, correct? Yeah, so um, there's two ways to incentivize Oracles. One, um, they can... So like the idea is they should be using like one public key for like most of their uh, signatures. And what that key, um, th they, we expect them to stake some funds under that. So like they say like they'll take that key and put like 50 Bitcoin under it. So you could go see on the blockchain, you know, there's 50 Bitcoin under you know, the Sherdbits Oracle's key. That's how much we're safe to bet on. Because say if um, we're signing uh, for the election and we sign like Trump, we do like do two signatures. We'll like sign for ourselves that Trump won and then sign for someone else that Biden won. If anyone finds those two signatures, which should be pretty easy to do, uh, you can just combine them and be able to steal the private key from that public key. So that way they're incentivized. So um, if they lie, you can prove they lied by having the signature as well as you can take their money. So, so let's get into that part. You can take their money. Why wouldn't Oracle have to lock up funds? to sign signatures uh, they don't have to but it's just like we expect it to become like a standard just because you know if they're like putting funds on the line and staking that like it's their reputation and they're gonna, like not only their reputation but as well as we have money up here that so you should trust us up to this amount yeah that makes sense and so this dies into the great debate that's been going on for for years in this space is whether or not you can have decentralized oracles or uh, if you can incentivize <coughs> centralized oracles correctly so that they, they act uh, in in an honest way. And, and so it seems like short bits has, has hitched their wagon to to the latter, which makes sense to me, I think. Uh, you, like, can, can you help describe the trade-offs between centralized and decentralized oracles if decentralized oracles are even possible in the first place? Yeah, I don't even think a decentralized oracle is technically possible. Like, the only way you could really do that is just have like lots and lots of like centralized oracles and you just you know you're doing like a like 500 of a thousand and then just making sure that people agree on that but uh yeah like i think you know like an oracle apparently you're gonna always have to trust them because they could always just sign whatever they want and you know do what they want so that's something you always have to worry about but you can like with like this you can always just do like a combination of multiple oracles and distribute your trust that way and in sense like they also have economic incentives to be honest it's safer to do it that way versus like i don't know whatever ethereum does no <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's i mean like to me the only decentralized oracle that exists today is the bitcoin network uh, ironically right you you yeah and it's it's an oracle for what's going on in its ledger oracle for who owns what yeah who owns what and uh an estimate of hash rate and difficulty uh, at any given point in time uh but that's a very energy intensive decentralized oracle and it serves very specific data points i imagine it would be harder to design a, a similar or just a alternative decentralized oracle uh for more specific data 
right? Yeah, like, I mean, Bitcoin, well, we're doing 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. So that's like, what, 70 grand ten, every 10 minutes. Like, that's a lot of money to be paying for an Oracle. So we, we dumped today, so maybe a little less. <laughs> well, I'm optimistic, but yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting close. We're getting close to the point where you can get uh, 10,000 sats per dollar, which I, I saw you were tweeting about the other day, or a million sats for $100, excuse me. I like my cheap sats, but uh, I also like my net worth going up. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Exactly. Your Bernie bro days, you would have said that, you, that, that wealth needs to be taxed exorbitantly. Are you, are you saying <laughs> your mind has changed? No, dude, dude, the inherent Bernie bro mentality is it's the other people you have to tax, not yourself. That's true. So, take it. Take it. Looting is okay. Kill the rich. Take all their money. It's uh, it's time. Things are getting hairy out there, man. But we're going to stay on DLCs here because we don't want this to turn into too much of a, of a pessimistic podcast. We're, we're focusing on solutions. So how big do you think the opportunity of DLCs is? Do you think it will from a composability perspective, do you think it will attract more developers to build more cool applications on top of Bitcoin? Yeah, like, I think long run, like, it kind of just kills any smart contracts, like, shitcoin, because your Oracle could always just be signing whatever your con your smart contract is going to be. So, like, mm -hmm. say you want to have some, like, fancy, like, Solidity script on Ethereum that's going to take in all this data and, you know, if x happens and you get the money like you can have that enforced on chain but like inherently nothing is as centralized as bitcoin and you're always going to be trusting someone like i mean with Ethereum, you know you might just get hard forked out by vitalik or you know what have you but uh with like a, a bitcoin oracle you could just have them be signing whatever your fancy script is going to do and make your contract contingent on that so it just kind of makes it a lot easier and then you're also just getting inherent privacy benefits from that because you're not putting that fancy script on chain it's just something off chain that your oracle worries about to do and so you're saving fees by not putting it on chain and saving privacy because people don't know what's going on in that transaction yeah yeah so it's a more scalable more private way of doing smart contracts is this a, a black swan in the industry how come more people aren't talking about dlcs dude that's what i'm saying like um when i first like started working on Sherbets, I'd never heard about it. And uh, then they like, basically like, you know, they informed me about it so I could work on it. And I was just kind of like, whoa, this is great. Like, why is no one talking about this? Like, I felt like you kind of did this with, um, with like, when you started working at GAM, like, it could hurt to like tell in the podcast, you're talking about like, you start bringing up like the, the free gas mining and stuff. And then, then you announce you're on GAM. It's like, oh, okay, that's what I've been talking about this for the past three months. <laughs> like, I've been doing like the same thing with DLCs where it's like, Guys, why is no one talking about this? This is something that could like change like a lot of things. Right? It seems that way. Like, it almost seems too good to be true. Do you think... I mean, obviously, if it is successful, it's going to surprise people to the upside due to the lack of uh, fanfare that's getting now. Um, so these are the type of little projects and and workings that I like to pay attention to. The, the underscored... Not, I keep saying underscored when I mean underserved. Underscored means you like underline it and you're like highlighting it. It's the complete opposite of what I'm trying to get at. I, I say it way too much and it's a complete wrong word to use. Uh, underappreciated is a better word. Technologies and I think, DL, I, again, DLCs is 
is obviously one of them. I mean, again, scalable, private, smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. And so what is the interface of the desktop wallet you guys are going to, like, how easy is it going to be? You just deposit Bitcoin uh, into a wallet and then you can just pick UTXOs to put in these. Uh, uh, initially, it's going to be pretty ugly because um, we're like, as part of our specification, we're specking out. So like, it just be like, like, you know, we're trying to like copy a lot of what Lightning's doing. And so you just like hit like open and it would like negotiate it all like through the internet. But we haven't fully specced any of that uh, stuff out yet. So right now, like what we're doing is just like, it'll just output like this big JSON and you have to like copy paste that over to your friend and uh, do that, do that like twice and um, then your contract set up. And then you say like execute um, once the contract actually happens and then you get your money. But uh, probably like six months from now, then we'll have like the very nice UI where you just, you know, click execute and everything happens automatically. Yeah. And so beyond election betting, what ki- kind of unique use cases do you see coming out of, of DLCs? Um, I know, like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, uh, this company, but Atomic Loans, they're trying to build a, uh, like a I, derivatives like Dex about this stuff. I do. I'm a big fan of Matthew Black and team. They're, uh, I've, I met Matthew earlier this year. We had, a, we had a Zoom call. I was really impressed by what they're doing. Yeah, he's really cool. Um, yeah, they're they're trying to work on like a a thing where you can like do simple betting like in your browser with DLCs, and um, I think that could be like huge because like like something like like I know there's like the Ethereum thing Augur where you know, it doesn't get much volume, but there's like some volume where you can uh, like bet on just like anything. Like someone just sets up an oracle for like any event you want to do. Like you do like an NFL game, you could do like horse racing, you could do you know, do aliens come invade us, whatever, whatever you want. But um, as long as you have someone signing something, you can do that. So I think just the composability of it, it's going to be like just a huge part where it's a lot of this, like something like, you know, it's like the internet where like back in the eighties when they were just sending around like research papers, they had no idea, like people would be using this to you know stream movies like 30 years from now. And I think this is something kind of like that where it's so like, it's so infant. We can't really know the full capabilities of having to do like, extremely smart like contracts and so would it make sense for me to attempt to become an oracle to create a profitable business on top of this like who who, yeah, who maybe, would become oracles like could i just like some joe schmo become an oracle yeah i mean being an oracle has like basically zero overhead I, all you need to do is publish pub keys and uh, signatures so like in total it's like under 100 bytes per event so it's super easy to do. Like you could run that over Tor and absolutely no problem and do it pr- completely privately. Um, but yeah, the, like the incentive, like what we're doing at Sherdbits is um, like we have a exchange API where you can like buy like like previous like price data on different like crypto things or like NFL or NFL scores or NBA scores. So with that, like we charge like one uh, cent worth of Satoshis per, uh, per like piece of data. So that way, then, like the oracles incentivized, you know, to actually, uh, like, stay in business. You know, one cent is not much to settle my contract. You know, if expect you to be doing bigger bets than that. So, um, and then, like, but if you have significant volume, you should be able to be profitable with that. And yeah, we expect like initially, we expect like basically just like major like uh, Bitcoin exchanges to do this because in the Ethereum world right now, most uh, like coin 
like even like Coinbase is like a Oracle for I think like Uniswap and stuff like that. So there's like definitely incentive to be there because like just like getting your name out there and showing like your order book is important will drive traders to you. So if you can do that, then uh, you know, it's just a useful function. Yeah. And, and if you can make money in the process, why not? Right. Yeah. Like if there's money on the table, you should try and take it. Yeah. And so my memory is a bit hazy about the, the, uh, footprint this makes on the blockchain. So how much of this is happening on lightning at the moment? Um, and that'll come later, I understand, or? Yeah, so there's like two things here. So you can do them like completely on chain where it, um, what, it, what it'll look like is just like like two people's uh, inputs going into a two of two multi-sig and then they get their change back. And then they'll spend that two of two multi-sig to like the, the winning party or, you know, they could split the money or whatever. So stuff like that. But um, eventually once we get Schnorr and uh, PTLCs uh, to replace HTLCs, then we could do these on Lightning. So then there'd be based, there'd be no on-chain footprint where you're just um, having your point be adding the Oracle signature instead of adding it to like your on-chain signatures. And yeah. So once we have that, there'd be absolutely no uh, on-chain footprint. You just like you know you could do those like every second, and you know, and then you're just constrained by Lightning. But um, there are some problems with uh, getting these on uh, Lightning. Like um, it's kind of like we're, a lot of things with DLC shares problems with other things. So um, one thing is like, so if you wanted to do, like, if we're betting on the election on lightning, our funds will have to be locked up on lightnings till like, you know, November 5th or, so that's like a long time. And uh, like, uh, who is it? I think Shores or someone, uh, or maybe Renee Picard, they're talking about like HODL invoices and um, the problems with that where, you know, a routing node doesn't want like one Bitcoin locked up um, in their routes for like six months when they could be earning fees on that, like providing liquidity. So um, that's a problem, but you know, people, these are things that aren't DLC specific. It's lightning's like entirely a problem. So um, I think that people are working, you know, like you, you pay to keep the funds locked up over time and stuff like that. So um, soon TM. Soon TM. <laughs> uh, you guys have also been writing a lot of primers on Schnorr recently what uh what is exciting you about schnorr how will it help what you guys are doing at short bits and how we're going to activate bit 340 what's your path forward oh boy um so we'll start with schnorr uh schnorr is like i mean we're, we're just changing the signature scheme for bitcoin uh it's it's just inherently better um like one the the security proof is this has less assumptions so um and no new assumptions so that's just better, uh, straight upgrade. And then it gives us like a million new properties and uh, stuff like that. So for one, um, like with DLCs at least, we're using ECDSA adapter signatures, which are fine, but Schnorr adapter signatures are way cleaner and uh, a lot nicer. And then with Schnorr as well, um, it allows us to do a lot more fancy things like music and batch verification. So like with music, then um, we can make two of two multi-sigs look like you know one of one, or you could do a thousand of a thousand look like one of one, and, or anything like that. So um, that one uh, helps DLCs as well because now it just looks like a single spend. And then you know with Lightning and or any really contract on on Bitcoin now becomes just easily one of one. And then a uh, batch verification will be sweet because 
you know, now instead of having to verify in, in each individual signature, we just add them all together and, ver and batch verify them in one go. And um, that should help the IBD time in the future where uh, instead of having to, you know, verify each thing individually, you're saving a lot of computation time. Hopefully I'll help out those uh, Raspberry Pis. I know mine needs all the help it can get. Yeah, same. Mine's a little cute boy working over there, but uh, he's trying his darnest. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wor not worry about Schnorr, but I'm interested. Like all these improvements, Schnorr, Taproot, uh, Musig, does it reduce the the amount of data needed for each transaction to such a level that a fee market is uh, is depressed a bit because you're saving so much. Um, I know Peter Will has talked about that in the past, but when you couple that with the applications that can be enabled by discrete log contracts and the, the software that you guys are working on, I think, again, this ropes back to my theory of Jevons paradox, like the utility provided by that application alone seems like it could drive a massive amount of usage on bitcoin just from degenerate gamblers who historically uh, have been drawn to, to bitcoin from one way or another so it just uh, seems like a better iteration on satoshi's dice that's can enable a wider use case yeah i think we'll be fine in the market like back in 2017 we had like blocks with like over 10 bitcoin in fees and uh, i mean bitcoin's more efficient and better now but you know, we had what probably not even one percent of the world using Bitcoin at that point. I think uh, once we get more and more people on board, it will be there'll be plenty of transactions going through. Yeah, you sh you dodged the activation. Oh, question. I did. Yeah, um, there's lots of proposals going on right now. Um, you have Bitbait in your in your Twitter handle. Yeah, your yeah Twitter. Bitbait or die. Uh, so Bitbait is like. There's kind of two ways to do it. One is BitBait. So there's like BitBait false and BitBait true. What BitBait false is basically what we originally did with uh, like every previous soft fork where um, at the end of like if miners don't activate it, then we do nothing. And it just we don't activate. And then there's BitBait true where we just say at the end of this, if miners don't activate, we're saying screw you miners and UAS stuffing it into the consensus. And um I mean, that's cool, but it also can be dangerous, especially because if we do find like a problem with the, you know, if, if there's some, find some bug in the taproot code or something like that, or in the like inherent properties of it, then we're kind of screwed because we've just committed to actually activating this like a year from now or whatever, and um, we have no way to stop it. But I mean, generally I think we're going to be fine. Uh, things getting a ton of review um, and been being, been being talked about probably for almost like five years now or something or around there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like nobody wants to just step forward and, and start the activation. It's like the weird dilemma we find ourselves in. Like who's going to be yeah, the Leroy I, Jenkins. Like in a I good think sense. it's just like, uh, it's a little too early to commit to an activation method. I think yeah, like, like bit three forty the Schnorr, uh, spec just got a modification like a week ago and um like well like once we start getting like once the schnorr stuff is merged into lipstick p i think it'll start being a lot more real and then taproot is um that pr into core will get 
a lot more uh, like buzz and get a lot closer to actually being merged. And once that's merged, then then after that, then we start talking about like activation and stuff like that. And you know, even once it is merged, we still need to wait for like a Bitcoin core release, which I mean, the current release schedule says the next one is in December. So probably have to wait till to even start doing stuff till like January. So um, we got some time. And some time. But uh, Peter Will actually had he he tweeted out about a PR about making Libsec Schnorr compatible that was getting axed from Greg Maxwell this week. Can you explain what was going on there? Do you did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. It's just like the um, so Bitcoin Core they don't actually implement any of the cryptography. There's a separate library on the Bitcoin repo called Libsec P two five six K one, which um, just has like all the basic like cryptography stuff, like highly optimized to be really fast. So um, like that currently has like all the like Bitcoin signatures, like ECDSA signatures and verifying those, creating them, all that stuff. But um, now they're trying to add the uh, Schnorr part of that so we can add that to uh, Bitcoin eventually. So the PR for that's been open for a while, but um, it's just like nearing the end of its review. Greg Maxwell's given it an act a couple of times and then there's been like small changes here and there. But yeah. Um, Last I looked, it's like it got like a, a, a little bit of review and it's looking like it's about to be merged. So, yeah, Greg Maxwell gave it an act three hours ago. So um, another one. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're close. It's just uh, it just like kind of just needs to happen. But yeah. once it does, then it kind of then it gets the ball rolling even further. Yeah, do you, what do you think about the pace of the activation and merging of this stuff? Are you content? Think it's going a little too slow? People being a little too cautiously optimistic, or you think it's the right way to go about it? And people should just stop being impatient. Um, I, I mean, I come on both sides. Like, I think Taproot discussion sort of started a lot earlier. Like, um, like Taproot didn't really come into like we're gonna do this thing into like that mindset maybe like a year ago. But like it could have been like we, we could have started working on it like pretty soon after Segwit, but um, it just didn't happen because I mean people are just like battle scarred basically from it and scared to like talk about soft forks again. But uh, now that we are here, I think it's going at is a reasonable pace where you know we need to review this thing and make sure it's correct and you know make sure the specification is exactly how we want it because once it's activated, we can't change it. So um, yeah, we need to continue and make sure it's correct but i think it's going at a good pace um like i expect like by like probably like june next year it'll be like activated in the network but uh it's just going to take a little bit of time but once we have it we have it forever so that's sooner than i would have expected you think i think activation will probably start like january or february and then should activate since then really quick like like besides segway every software activation has only taken a couple months so once we actually start activation, it should be quick, unless it, for some reason, it becomes political. But I think we've trimmed that fat since. Yeah, I don't think it'll become political. And actually, a lot of people write about miners, and I'm in a bunch of mining chats right now. I think miners are pretty open to this as well. I think it's a, I think it'll be a pretty, pretty big, uh, not nothing burger, but it's not going to be as contentious as some people expect it may be. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, the problem with Sega was, like, 
the miners weren't economically incentivized to not activate it because of covert ASIC boost and because Jihan was being Jihan and wanted to make a Bitcoin cash. So I kind of screwed things over, but like there was no covert ASIC boost and uh, we didn't have big blockers. It would have, I think like Segwit should have activated fine. And now that there's no economic incentive for them to do that, should be, I don't, I don't see a reason why it would become like contentious. No, neither do I. Uh, this is an interesting question for you, considering my last guest, Fabian Yar, we talked about a review a lot. Do you hop into corn and review PRs a lot? I try to, but uh, my C++ skills um, aren't what they used to be. So, um, and, and like with reviewing code, like you can conceptually review it, but a lot of it, you need to fully understand like the entire library they're working with to um, fully grasp every chain that's going on. So um, like, if, I'm not too familiar with the entire Bitcoin core code base. So some of it, you just like, you know, I don't know what this function does and it's going to take me five minutes to figure out exactly what it does. And uh, it's just very time consuming to give a very good review on some stuff. So, um, but I just try to like go through things and give like concept act, like, you know, this makes sense or I'll just like, like a uh, Fabian Yars, uh, his, uh, the get TX out stuff, stuff. I've been testing some of his stuff, like making sure that, you know, like it does work for me and, uh, like I'll do like stuff like that. Like, um, just try to test things out, make sure it works, because that's still useful. Yeah. No, it's a very interesting subject that another one that doesn't get enough tick is the, the concept of review and how important it is. Um, and the whole review, reviewed PRs to to actual PRs that you, uh, that you produce yourself is an interesting ratio that I don't think a lot of people take into consideration. Yeah, I mean, like, the review state of core is, like, it's hard. Like, I have two PRs that have been open since, like, mid-2019, still haven't been merged. And, uh, like, it's just, like, stuff like that. Like, it, it's it's hard to get stuff in the core because it is such a big project and because, like, it's such an important project, so we need to be careful with everything we put in. What uh, what PRs do you have open right now? What are they? Oh, they're, like, a couple of small things. Uh, one of them is just if you have a watch-only address give you the ability to remove it and then um another thing is so uh, like currently you can set like a command to happen if like a block or a transaction comes in and i added one so when you're just like when your nodes finish booting up then i'll execute a command so like my idea is i was trying to make like my lnd election personal server start up every time core started up but um normally you need to like make like a bash script outside of core but i just want to add it like as part of my like as part of my notes so it, every time i boot it up it would always boot those things up and that would be like a toggle feature yeah yeah, yeah. just like a, a command or an option yeah you seem to have a very good grasp of all this stuff for somebody who just graduated college like what have you been working on software for quite a while and like what interested you before bitcoin from a software perspective yeah i got it like since I was like five, I was like always like the computer guy. Like my parents called me IT as a kid just because I was the only one that could fix stuff even when I was like seven. But um, yeah, like I got into programming in high school. Like we had a very like super intro to uh, C++ programming that I did. And after that, I like fell in love with it. Um, I would do like basic like coding at home, but nothing too serious. And then in college, like 
that's where I just kind of like started like doing it all in my free time and stuff. Did like a few side projects, and then like getting into Bitcoin, I was like, oh, like and finding like open source development really like pushed me even further over the ledge. Where it's like now these are things I'm actually interested that I can work on and um, like work and like you know find really smart people to work with. Like like with um, when I worked on Wasabi for a while, like I was just you know I was a Wasabi user and I saw they're doing like the Bless you. COVID sneaking up. <laughs> but yeah, I was just uh, on Twitter and I saw doing like the contribution game. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll I don't even know C Sharp, but I'm gonna try it. And like spending like those couple of months working with those guys, uh, you just like learn so much from the Bitcoin community because there's like so many good developers here, and it just like sucks you in because there's so much interesting stuff to work on and so many like interesting and smart people that like you just like can't not spend your time talking to these people. Yeah. No, I feel very fortunate to be the host of this podcast and able to speak to smart individuals like yourself about this stuff because sometimes it goes completely over my head. But there are, like you said, so many smart, extremely smart people working on this and the, the amount of fascinating conversations I've had about subjects that I probably would have never approached in a prior life. Uh, it's It's a surprise to the upside that I'm very happy. Um, able to experience pretty consistently yeah man i i completely agree like just being able to talk to big like at bitblock boom last week and like just being able to talk to this guy it's just like it's almost surreal like how smart these people are and like how much how many how, how much like different depths that bitcoin touches yeah what was your favorite conversation from last weekend hmm i don't know i really enjoyed like uh robert breedlove's talk that was really insightful but um I was like hanging out with uh actually one of my favorite conversations was actually talking with um one of the uh, the samurai guys there um it was interesting to hear his perspective on some of the things and like different trade-offs they were taking and his perspective on different aspects yeah having worked on wasabi what are your thoughts on the on the current coin joint flame wars um it's warranted and also not like a lot of it's bullshit and like people overhyping because it's process incentive to cause drama, but um, I think I don't know. I think they're both good products, and it's fine to use either as long as you're you know being smart about it. But um, it's just it's at the very we're at the very beginning of stages of coin join stuff. Like I think Wasabi was the first uh, like major client, and that came out in like 2018. So I think five years down the line, this won't matter anymore. Join market uh, was probably the first, correct? Yeah, yeah, but. That's never really gotten huge user use. Yeah. Our our boy OpenNoms is working on that, trying to make it more user friendly. Yeah, I'm super hyped for that. I know. Um, I think Raspy Blitz has it like implemented now, so you could do something with that. But I just like that's something that's like excites me because it's like with like that you can actually like quote unquote like generate yield with your Bitcoin and you know actually you're providing a service for people by just mixing and in helping yourself i think that's going to be pretty big yeah you help yourself in many ways you get more privacy you're making money and then you're arguably compounding that money you make by making bitcoin more private which makes it more useful and makes it more valuable right it's a nice yeah. beautiful feedback loop there and, and making join market more useful because now there's more liquidity in there and more people come to it then and then yeah. compounding there yeah 
a hell of a thing. So what's it like working at Shortbits? Working, you guys are completely distributed, correct? Yeah, we worked from home before. It was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, it's nice. Like we all live in like fairly far apart, but uh, we just like do stand-ups every morning and have meetings at the end of the day about what we worked on. And uh, it's super chill, but also like we all get our stuff done, and you know we're all hard workers and doing a lot of good stuff. I think so. How many people are you? It's you, Chris Nadav, and and uh, Roman Tarinchenko. He's not on a uh, Twitter or anything, but. Uh, yeah, he worked on Eclair beforehand. Uh, he's actually the guy that implemented Tor functionality in Eclair. And, um, yeah, he does a lot of good work for us. He's a really smart guy. So what uh, what are you most excited to be on DLCs at Short Bits? Like, obviously, we talked to Chris and Nadav about this in the first episode, but I want to get your your opinion on, not your opinion, your thoughts on why you work there and what you're excited about as, as you guys build out this company good question i don't know i mean the lcs is like our primary thing i think like eventually we're gonna try to do you know like i think just like the dlcs is such a deep problem because it's like you know once we get like dlcs like done we still need to figure out like all the external factors for it like building like a a market where you can find other people to take the other side of your bet and you know building out solutions for like actually for oracles to actually do the correct things or how oracles want to interact with each other and there's just so many problems to solve with that it's like it's like it's like lightning like you can have the initial implementation out but this is a it could be a decade-long problem to work on so i think that's going to be our focus for a while but uh, i don't know i think it's a really cool thing to focus on for a while i do as well and i really another thing i love to highlight in this space is people who have long-term views and are down to commit to doing the the grunt work to build out a uh, a larger vision it's not easy it's not easy what you guys are doing how hard has it been building this client to make dlc's possible for bitcoiners yeah um it's a lot of work because there's lots of things we need to think about like we've refactored this whole thing like so many times where it's like oh we made start out with this assumption that's not correct so we need to redo a bunch of it but um yeah, it's, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, like, beforehand, we had a whole, like, actually, like, Bitcoin library. We can create all of our transactions and stuff, which is very helpful. But, um, yeah, I, I've been mostly on the wallet implementation side of it and, uh, like, how to store all these signatures and transaction data and then how to, like, communicate that with the user. And uh, there's a lot of, like, things to do. Like, getting the UX for that is, you know, I mean, the current stage is not pretty at all. But just like um, I've been in the Bitcoin design call, um, which is like started by Square Crypto, where they're trying to like get designers to help design like things for developers and how to like correctly convey information to them as well as, you know, make this pretty and look good. And um, there's a lot of smart people there and, and trying to take uh, like their knowledge and apply it to like what we're working on, you know, like what should be what should the, what should be extracted from the user and what should they be explicitly setting what um and like you know how what target user are you actually going for and stuff like that there's just like so much to think about yeah i'm very happy that slack group has started uh because it's one of the things people like to poo poo bitcoin for the poor ui ux it's never going to get mass adoption ben it's going to get outrun by these altcoins yeah they have the exact same problems though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean if we are to oh. to give a hat tip to ethereum i think while their apps may not be as decentralized as they like to advertise, I think they are pretty, uh, 
and do have a good UX flow. From what I've observed, I haven't used too many of them, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I guess like you know, MetaMask is it's kind of pretty, but I, don't, I think it's kind of unfair to say it's better UX if you're lying to your users about the security model that they're taking. So. Yeah. How how are they lying? Claiming that uh, it's decentralized or that like you know, this contract is you know decentralized, even though there's an admin key that can just overwrite everything that the user's doing. So. What else are you excited for in the world of Bitcoin? What are you looking forward to? Looking for, absolutely looking really forward to Taproot. I'm excited for like, I mean, once we have that, it's gonna add a whole bunch of new things that we can do. Like um, one of the big thing I really think is like, so since Taproot is now a pay to pub key, you can use that pub key now for any other like off chain stuff. So I, like, um, I think it might've been Nicholas Thor or no. Maybe it was no par that came out with this idea where you uh, under that same pub key you host a Tor address and then um, you could use that for like a secured communication channel and then now use that for like you know if you want to do a pay join instead of just a regular send stuff like that where you're like negotiating all these off-chain protocols by just sending a Bitcoin address and communicating through that I think it's gonna be absolutely huge as well as uh, and then you're getting like all these optimizations as well yeah how early are we, Ben? Way too fucking early. Are we too early? Oh, there's no such thing as, well, too early. If you're, I think, like, like, if I try to get my mom to use Bitcoin, like, that, that's not going to happen. She's not going to want to understand private keys right now and, you know, trying to get her to, like, mix coins or, you know, even question, like, you know, can't call someone to fix a problem she has. Like, I don't think that's, it's not tenable for the average day person, I think, yet, but... If you are here now, you're going to get paid for it because um, number go up. <laughs> yeah, if you're, I mean, but Ben, you, you dirty, you dirty, dirty capitalist wanting to profit off Bitcoin and just number go up is, is just low level knuckle dragging type uh, rationalization for being, for being in this asset. Sorry, I'll, you can tax me. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, I mean, people hate the number go up meme, but it is completely necessary. Like, none of this happens without sufficient liquidity. Yeah, I agree. I think if Bitcoin number doesn't go up, I think we just die because the happening is going to happen and take out miners if we don't go up in price. Yeah, so do you have any any thoughts on the stock to flow model? Um, I, I I honestly I hate it. It's uh, it just like even if it is true, it just looks so scammy and like, uh, it's just like something you'd see like on this like, some shitcoiners post like, no guys, look, I, I did a bunch of math and calculated the price for the next ten years. It's like, sure if you're right, that's cool, but like, I'd rather talk about like why this thing's valuable, not the math behind this algorithm or whatever you made. Yeah, I think it's a nice to have. I don't. I don't think it's a nice to lead with. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, you shouldn't like be like, "Hey, Dad, look at this. This is why the Bitcoin price is going to go up because this guy made this chart." But if you like, you know, if you fully understand why Bitcoin is valuable, you know, like the censorship resistance on money, and then you're like, "Look at this chart. 
this kind of proves it. I can see you liking it for that reason, but I think a lot of people try to push that as their initial, like try to get people into it. And I think that's just, you're gonna get like the, the crypto moon boys then. And I don't think that's a great place to start. What are your thoughts on the moon boys? And I response to DGENs, which, I mean, I was a moon boy when we first started out basically. So I don't credit, I don't give them too much, but. Hey, you were a moon boy, you bought $50 and thought you were gonna be a millionaire. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, moon boys are the foundation of number go up kind of, so we kind of have to deal with them, but Bitcoin kind of tends to turn them into, you know, like the hardcore hodlers like we are, um, if they stay around for a while, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a very reproducible hero's journey, a journey from moon boy to stoic hodler. Um, maybe we're just full of ourselves here, but it seems to have happened many times at least. Yeah, like, I mean, like most people I've talked to, they've always been like, yeah, I heard about it, bought a little, then I bought a lot, then I got into shit coins, and now I'm a hardcore Bitcoiner. Yeah. Like, that's like the generic story, which, you know, I mean, you end up as a Bitcoiner, fine with me. Did you, uh, did you ever fall into shit coinery? Oh, yeah. I was a, I was a huge nano shill for a while. Oh, my gosh. Time. <laughs> right <laughs> what 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 attracted you to nano um i just thought like i thought it was so cool it was like free quote unquote and the uh, fast but um and like you know i was like oh it still has the uh supply limit and uh you know i just like i didn't really think about proof of stake as anything i was like well they say it's okay so it must work and yeah and now it's yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think Ethereum ever successfully transitions to proof of stake? I think um, once they do transition, or like once ETH 2.0 comes out, that's when Ethereum dies, in my opinion. Because um, if they do launch it, now they've kind of admitted, like, they're going to totally bifurcate like their community. Like, MakerDAO is going to have to now support two things. You know, every single contract is going to have to support two things, and all the wallet developers and every Basically, every developer is going to have to support two things, and that's going to take forever to do, and it's going to just, I think, quickly kill the projects. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm not convinced that they they ever actually fully transition. I don't know. I mean, they got a testnet, kind of, but you know, not... completely dependent on Cloudflare, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a, a sad. It's a critical yeah. dependency there. Yeah, I still like. I don't understand. Like, how do you convince yourself that's decentralized while you're literally ping, like reliant and pinging on Cloudflare? That <laughs> well, I don't know. Not my problem. Cloudflare has had some infamous network issues recently, right? Didn't they have something last week where they went down for a while? Yeah, they've been having like a ton of outages this year. It feels like just like the internet as a whole. I don't know, 2020, I guess. Yeah, do you think they shut down the internet on us? At some point? Nah. We got Jeff Bezos on our side. He's not going to let that happen. Trey's making a lot of money from all the storage. Hmm. I guess we can end it on... Do you get paid in Bitcoin in short bits? If that's not too uh, forward of a question. No, I tried to, but... um, That'd be bad for accounting, apparently, so... Yeah. Darn. At some point in the future. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Um, it's been a very informative hour. Is there anything you want to get off your chest before we wrap up? Anything you didn't say about the LCs or what you're working on at Short Bits that you think the freaks should know about? Um, we have like, I mean, Marty alluded to this earlier, but we have like a million blog posts on everything about Bitcoin, DLCs, Lightning, uh, Taproot, whatever have you. So check that out and uh, I don't know, follow me on Twitter. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Ben the Carman. I tweet a, I shit post a lot, but I also try to tweet some good stuff. I think you, I think you have a good balance of shit post and uh, quality, uh, stimulating intellectual uh, engagement with other developers and people building stuff on Bitcoin. Well, thank you. I try. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for trying. Uh, freaks DLCs. Very underappreciated, not yet underscored. Uh, I think they're going to surprise people a lot to the upside. And I, and I, again, heuristically, I like things that are underappreciated yet have strong fundamentals, which discrete law contracts fall into that bucket, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, go follow Ben on Twitter. Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been fun. That's all we got for this Friday afternoon, freaks. Peace and love. <laughs>